Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Live Strong podcast and show. My name is Olivia Hutcherson, and today I have the pleasure and honor of introducing and interviewing my dear friend, Danny Alada. We met back in 2016 in a wine bar in Hell's Kitchen. (laughs) (laughs) Before you judge that, um, I was just coming out of my journey with breast cancer, but really I was starting the beginning of rediscovering myself. I thought that I was going to move to New York City, press replay on my life, and go back to the way things used to be. I moved quite literally five blocks away from Broadway Dance Center, where I had been training and teaching since I was 16. And I waltzed in to get my old job back, but with a totally new identity. My hair hadn't quite grown back all the way, and my schedule didn't resume to what it used to be. When I realized I had a lot of free time on my hands, I did what everyone did. I went to get a job as a bartender. I decided to take some of that money and go to Europe. I traveled, I went to Greece, I went to Italy, and when I came back, one of the first phone calls that I got was from Broadway Dance Center, but it wasn't for a job to come in and teach. It was a sad phone call that one of my best friends had gone missing. I closely gathered with all the dancers. We made flyers, we ran up and down subways, we went to every store on the block, and we tried to find my sister, who I love very much. After about three days, we finally got the call that she was found. And being me, and being a bartender at that time, (laughs) I hung up those shoes quickly. But I found myself in my favorite little wine bar, tucked right down the street from my house. And when I walked in, I was trying to act like a boss, and I go, Prosecco for everyone! And I see this super cool dude all the way at the end of the bar, hanging over the bar. And he said, I pick up that tab. And he even threw in chocolate cake. I go, who is this guy who offered to give to everyone and didn't even drink himself? Well, family, it was Danny Alada. And little did I know, did we not only have the spirit of giving in common, but we had a similar journey. And so I'm going to roll it over to him and let him tell you a little bit about his story and what he was doing in that place. So without further ado, welcome, Danny. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. I think, I think I want you to do all of my introductions from now to eternity. <laughs> I don't think that will ever be top, so I thank you so much. Um, but it's so funny, you, you were mentioning, I was like, wow, it really was. It was 2016. Um, and I remember I had just finished talking to a friend of mine, Idara, who lives in L.A., and she knew your friend, and she had just posted on social media, like, can anyone, you know, keep an eye out, we need to find her, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, um, you know, it was once I realized, it was like, what you guys were celebrating that you found, I was like, no, wait, wait, I was just talking to my friend, and she was looking for, I have to call her. It's like, you like, no. I was like, and I showed you the text message and I showed you her social media posts and you're like, what? And they're like, you know, it's just such a, such a small world. Um, but, uh, and then naturally, uh, you know, I met you and all your friends and we all hung out and celebrated for hours at Reposo and had, uh, well, I, I don't drink, but, you know, everyone had Prosecco and I had 
water and chocolate cake and all that good stuff. And, um, you know, it was such a celebratory moment, but also just a, a great way to connect with great people um, through a good moment. So, um, so thank you as well. Um, because it was it was so enjoyable and, and great to meet you and you guys opened up your whole circle uh, with me so I appreciated that um, so thank you as well yeah yeah but um you know as far as my story so as Olivia mentioned you know we shared something else right and so we were uh, or we are both members of I guess you could say the cancer club um, you know Olivia had just kind of finished treatment and started getting her life back uh, from her journey with breast cancer. And I had had Hodgkin's lymphoma in high school and college. And, um, you know, I think it's, it's a club while it teaches you so much, uh, you know, there's definitely moments when you're in that club, you probably wish you weren't. Um, but when, you know, you're fortunate enough to kind of come onto the other side of that uh, experience, um, I always say I'm a fortunate as opposed to a survivor just because I know so many people that don't have the good fortune of making it. Um, so, you know, I, I often say that, you know, cancer raised me as much as my parents did and has so much to do with who I am as a person. So, you know, I am, I'm actually grateful for it. I always say it's the best and worst experience that I ever had. But, um, you know, it's, it's because I have the good fortune of being able to talk to you today and anyone else that I have a chance to talk to about it. So, um, so yeah, that's kind of the, um, the skinny about myself in terms of like our shared experience. I know we'll get into a lot more, uh, detail, but, um, yeah, just super excited to be here with you today. I thank you for asking me to join you today, uh, and welcome me into your home as well. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I realized I got so excited and nostalgic while giving our whole intro that I didn't even drop the title of this episode. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> <laughs> Good job, Liv. Um, it's okay, it's okay. If you are taking notes, um, which I encourage because there's so much to learn uh, from, from all the guests that I bring on the show, but if you're taking notes, the name of this episode is called Reckless Hope. And um, it's funny how sometimes the title will come to me before the message and sometimes the message will come to me before the title. And I was driving around last night on my bike. I just got a bike for my 31st birthday. And yes, I <laughs> like driving around on my bike or riding around, I should say, on my bike last night down by the water um, and looking at the skyline. And I was, I was thinking about you and I was thinking about the message and the questions that I had today. And I was like, what do I want to call this? And I was, I was blasting on my, on my iPod. I was blasting the song uh, Reckless Love. And one of the main hooks is it says, I couldn't earn it and I don't deserve it. Oh, the reckless love of God. And I, I kind of wanted to change the lyrics to, to reckless hope um, because I feel like that is one thing that I feel like you've really shown and demonstrated and lived it out. Um, you know, and even just now you said you feel like one of the fortunates, you know, and, and that line, like, I couldn't earn it and I don't deserve it. You know, and it's like, why, why do some of us make it through this fight and some of us don't? You know, I, I think there's certain 
questions that we'll never know the answer to. Um, you know, and perhaps it's not for us to know, but the, the reckless hope factor, that's the one thing that I've never seen you run out of. And you've provided not only for yourself, but for so many people witnessing your journey um, and the way you've been able to pay it forward. The one thing that you didn't mention was how, how I wanted to say how old you were, but how young were you when you got diagnosed? So I was 17 and, um, you know, the doctors estimated that I had had cancer for two to three years without knowing. Uh, and they based that just on how many places it had spread and, you know, how much some of my organs had grown and stuff like that. So, um, technically I, I had cancer for maybe, you know, most of high school without knowing. Oh my gosh. Did you um, feel pain yeah body or symptoms so I did uh, so I played a lot of sports I always played sports growing up um, but high school I also played sports and so uh, a year before I got diagnosed I had actually torn a section of my abdomen and so I had some internal bleeding and naturally some discomfort and so uh, the doctor had said look if the pain doesn't go away within a week we'll get a sonogram and we'll figure out what's going on and the pain went away in like six days. So we never got the sonogram. And almost a year to the day later is when, you know, I got this crazy flu that just wouldn't go away. Mm. You know, it was like two weeks of like 104, 105 fever, just would never break. And um, at the time, the doctor was like, look, there's a really bad flu going around. Sounds like he has it. And my dad, after like, you know, like five days, six days, seven days, eight days. Finally, he was like, this is not the flu. Like, this, this is not even breaking. So, you know, called the doctor back up and was like, look, I, I know you. I respect you. There's no way this is the flu. We need to bring him in. And so the doctor gave me a physical upon getting there. And so when he pressed on my abdomen, uh, you know, he had asked, he's like, did we have that sonogram last year? And I was like, no, because the pain went away. And he immediately picked up the phone to call the imaging center, like, I need a sonogram now. Um, so clearly things had changed. Mm -hmm. And so my spleen had grown to like two and a half to three footballs in size. Um, and so if you don't know how big the spleen is supposed to be, because at 17, I didn't even know I had a spleen. So I was like, yeah, what the hell is that, right? So a spleen is only supposed to be like, the, the way they called, like terminology or called it, they're like, it's supposed to be the size of a breakfast sausage. So mine was the size of like two and a half to three footballs. So um, I, one of my sides of my abdomen, the right side where I had torn the muscle had grown and stuck out about a half inch more than the other side. And I just always was like, Oh, I must have a lot of scar tissue, mm -hmm. but I didn't I had, um, my spleen growing. And I would, I would periodically, whether I was playing something or walking, I would just get pain in my abdomen and like kind of keel over like, Oh man, it hurts. And I was like, wow. Like, can't believe scar tissue hurts that bad because I would have never thought that I was sick. But um, so I, I, that was the only bodily pain that I had was I would get abdomen pain and it was from essentially the organ, my spleen growing so big that everything else was pushing against it. Mm. And for those of you who can't tell uh, how tall Danny is, because this is, <laughs> <laughs> he is uh, very much an athlete and not only an athlete, a model. 
he was in New York Fashion Week. Um, I was. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I was. I was creeping on the gram yesterday. <laughs> uh oh. Uh oh. So check him out. Check him out at uh at a lot of is that is that what it a is? A lot of ways. A lot of ways. Ways. A lot of ways. He does a lot of things. <laughs> um, I I feel like I feel like that's probably a good segue. So. Um, I mean, there's there's so much to cover, but kind of like the next thing that that connected us as we embarked on this whole journey about talking about you know your your segue through sickness, my segue through sickness. Um, we were able to stay in touch, and you reached out to me. I don't know if it was like six months or a year later, because we were both kind of doing our things through the city. I know you were going back and forth to LA because you were working on multiple projects. You're a part of TV productions and fashion and travel and um, basketball. Like you do so many things. Um, but you reached out to me and you said, hey, Liv, you know, I'm doing this thing with Joy Juice and the kids. And I just heard the name and I said, what's that? Um, mm. We were able to team up. So tell us a little bit about what Joy Juice is, how that came to be, and and where you got inspired to do that okay um so if if we can see i wore the shirt on purpose so i have a joy juice shirt on i'll sit up just so you can see it um so joy juice was the nickname that i gave chemotherapy the first day um, of treatment and my parents were waiting for me at the door and I said to them, come on, it's time for my joy juice. And they were like, what, what is that? And I was like, that's going to be my nickname for chemo. Mm -hmm. And so um, with all the blessings in the world, joy juice has become the name of my nonprofit, which provides fashion makeovers to teens and young adults with cancer, uh, because that was my way of making myself feel better. So, you know, I used to get dressed up for my treatment. And like, I, I remember coming like the first day of treatment, I was all dressed up. Like, I didn't know where I was going, right? And so like, the doctor was like, where are you going? And I was like, I came to see you, doc. Like, if you look good, you feel, you'll feel, you'll feel good. And he was like, you're right. I will never ask you that again, you know? So, um, you know, I think at the time I was my doctor's younger or youngest patient. Um, you know, he had folks in their 20s and stuff like that. But I think at the time I was his youngest patient. And, um, uh, yeah, I mean, they, they, they really took a liking to me and I would tell them like, you know, this is my joy juice. I'm coming from my joy juice, you know, and all that type of stuff. And, um, you know, I would always get dressed up and they're like, Oh, what you wearing next week? I was like, I don't know, you know, we'll see what happens, you know? And, um, I just realized how those little things in terms of getting dressed up. I mean, I could literally just get dressed up and go on the couch and just take a nap because I spent typically my time in two places, right? The doctor's office, the couch and and, um, you know, I always fell asleep on the couch and then naturally at some point you go to your bed, but like the couch was like my mainstay. And, um, you know, even a new pair of socks would make me feel so happy. And to this day, like new socks, I love new socks. I would wear a new pair of socks every day. Like I really would. Like I have so many pairs of socks. It's crazy. I have drawers full of socks. I love socks. Um, but I just, there's something about a new pair of socks. I got drawers full of socks. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I do like. Uh, you have to translate that for someone from ATL. Like, what is a drawer? <laughs> oh, uh, I don't know. A drawer is where you put your clothes, right? So, please um, say a drawer. <laughs> oh, okay. So, my New York accent, but my, my drawer is, is a drawer. 
That's so funny. Yep, my draw is a drawer. Um, a drawer. Good medicine. That's so funny. I mean, you know, in New York we say water, so or water. So, um, yeah. But um, yeah, so I just love. So- I mean, a new pair of socks is like a fresh towel, right? Like it's just one of those things. So. Um, I mean, literally just something that simple as a new pair of socks would just make my day. And, you know, like anytime I was in the hospital, um, my older cousin, he would bring me new sneakers. Mm. And, you know, I remember I I still actually have the pad that I used to write my conversations on when I was in the hospital. Because, like, you know, if you've ever had tube down your throat, you can't really talk so great. Mm. And, um, like, I found that pad when I wrote my book. and so I wrote a book about my journey with cancer that was also called Joy Juice. And um, I found that pad and I found the whole conversation about those sneakers that he would bring me. Wow. Um, and so it was just so crazy because I remembered how big of a deal it was, but then I could see how big of a deal it was because that's all I cared about. Like, I, that's all I was talking about. And like, you know, you're laying in the hospital, you can't talk, they got to put that stupid sponge lollipop on your lips so that your lips don't crack and dry out you know all that type of stuff and um sneakers changed the world like you didn't care about anything else like it really didn't like nothing else mattered Mm -hmm. and you know your parents are you know in the room or out of the room at the time but like their world is falling apart because they don't know if their child's going to live, but their child is so happy because they got a new pair of sneakers right so it's like knowing those feelings uh, when I was, you know, technically medically removed from the situation in terms of like, you know, out of my five year period and like, you know, okay, 99.99%, whatever that percentage is, like where you're like, look, it should never come back. Um, you know, I had time to think about it in retrospect. And so I had actually never, ever talked about being sick, like at all. Um, during the time of being sick, chemo, et cetera, operations, you know, my parents always, my mom especially, just would always ask how I was feeling, and I would just say fine or okay. That was it. And, you know, it wasn't until half a lifetime later approximately that I was like, oh, I can talk about it now. You know, like it's one of those things where I just didn't want to talk about it. And when I was sick, I didn't have the bandwidth to talk about because, um, you know, I hated chemo. You know, I got it all the time. I think it was 20 or 22 rounds of it. Um, I took so many pills that to this day, I hate pills. Yeah. Can't take pills with water. Um, so, um, you know, to now kind of come full circle, you know, I always said that, you know, having cancer was one of the most impactful experiences of my life, mm-hmm. um, pro and con. But now it's become, again, the most impactful event of my life in, a, in an amazing way, right? In a way I could have never, ever fathomed when I was sick because I'm able to um, help other young people. And, you know, when you joined uh, me for our event that we did, um, I think it was 2017. Oh, no, it was 2018. It was 2018. It was. Uh, 100%. It was like May of 2018. I'm not, I'm not mistaken. I can count every and, um, length of my hair because <laughs> it had got... Ah from a pixie to a nice long braid so it was <laughs> yeah i think it was around may of 2018 and um you know it was just so amazing i mean we had um 
if I remember her name was Anya, right? Yeah. Yep, you're the little princess Anya. Princess. Um, yeah. So I guess she's a little bigger now. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, and so you understand what it's like to naturally be sick and then go through the experience. And some of the young people, their experience is very, you know, one of the young people, Ulysses, was it? Hold on, I'm trying to remember. One of the young boys, they had to actually cut his leg off to stop his cancer. Mm. Um, Jay, who was in the show, um, they had to remove some ribs and, you know, his head permanently swelled. Like his head is bigger than like a normal person's head, but right. he had such intense chemo that, you know, it caused like extremities to swell and his head actually swelled and his head is bigger to this day than, than normal. He has a scar running down the back of his head. Um, <clears throat> and Jay was actually homeless at the beginning of his treatment. Oh, wow. Yeah, him and his dad were homeless. Wow. And I think he started his treatment when he was 14 or 15. And I just remember thinking, you know, as you speak to so many different people, and I remember one of the other guys, Jai, he also was homeless when he started his treatment. And I just remember thinking, like, okay, maybe I had it bad, but I knew where I lived. Like, I had a roof over my head. Like, all those things. Like, I knew where my food was coming from. Like, Imagine that added level of stress, you know? And so I think the journey teaches us so many things. And one of the things it teaches you is just no matter how bad you have it, somebody definitely has it worse. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that that's when I always say, like, you know, cancer raised me as much as my parents did. That's one of those ways it, it continues to raise me just because, um, you know, one of the things people always say is that I, I'm always very calm and, and even keel and all that type of stuff. And I think when, you know, you have an experience like we have had, um, not that much is really going to phase you outside of, you right. know, those types of things. Right. So, right. Um, so yeah, uh, joy juice. I know I kind of went on a tangent, so I apologize, but no, no, no. Um, you are like yeah. speaking straight to my heart right now. And I'm sure everybody who is, um, going to be listening. I wanted to ask you, um, so we spoke a few days ago on the phone, yeah. just so I could pick your brain. Um, you said something and I, I wrote it down because it was just so on point. And I think anybody who has been through any type of sickness, I don't care if it's mental sickness or emotional sickness, or honestly, even like a, a broken spirit. Um, it, I'm just going to read it. <laughs> you okay. When you're sick, you know what your purpose is. Your purpose is to live. And like that one just stopped me dead in my tracks. Like <laughs> I don't I had to like put you on mute. I was like, oh, I'm gonna just <laughs> <laughs> You're like, hold up, you're not supposed to make me cry. We're catching up. <laughs> yeah, because it 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 dropped all the way to the bottom of my toes. Um yeah. I just, I'm, I'm going to read it again. When you're sick, you know what your purpose is. Your purpose is to live. And I guess what hit me so hard was I was like, well, what's the antidote of that? Because when you're well, you know what your purpose is. And then I just stopped. <laughs> I was like, I don't want to finish. Mm. <laughs> um, 
Um, and I, I really, to take us back to the beginning of the conversation, I think that's where I was at when I met you. Um, it was like, I was fighting and fighting and fighting and fighting and fighting with the surgeries, with the chemos, with the losing, um, you know, in my mind, it was like losing a part of my identity. And I, I really think yeah. this is such an important, um, crossroads of the conversation right now. So many times we connect what we do with who we are, how we look with who we are. So whether you are a male or a female, um, you know, your identity is tied up in the outside. And so right. when you start losing, whether it's your hair or parts of your body, all of these things that are very much like temporary and all of these things that are very much a part of the shell and the outer. And I think you could probably relate to this very much as someone who was an athlete, someone who, and still is like, I'm sorry, I didn't mean it as was, but like as an athlete, as um, someone in fashion, someone in the industry, you know, for myself, someone who's a dancer, someone who is also athletic, someone who is also in the industry. And you kind of have those moments where you are laying in the hospital, in bed, on your sofa, and you are stripped. And it's that yeah. whisper. It's not even loud. It's the whisper. And, and you got to ask yourself, like, who am I? What is my purpose? What's underneath all of that? Yep. You know, I think all of our purpose is to live, but where do you, where do you find that, that fight? And I guess that would be like my big question to you today. Um, where, where do you find purpose? like on the top of the mountain and at the bottom of the valley? Where does, where does that come from for you? I just think when you're faced with a choice, it's either do or don't, you know, and that do or don't is just the fighting. Right. right? Um, you know, I, I do believe that I had a good spirit. Everyone told me I had a great spirit when I was, you know, sick and going through it. Um, but I just, I just, that's all I felt. I had two choices. And so it gave me, it's weird, but it gave you a purpose. Like it's your life and, and that's what you're fighting for. Um, and so, um, you know, you kind of put that up on the, the vision board. Like this is what I'm trying to achieve and, and keep. Um, so, so yeah, you know, in terms of like after, you know, like quote unquote after being sick, what is your purpose? Like for me, it was, trying to get my life back. Mm. Um, and even though I am, like I said, over half a lifetime removed from the experience now, I still feel like there was a three to four year period that I never got. Mm. And so I, for a long, long time, always felt like that hamster on the wheel trying to get those years back. Yeah. Um, and even though I, I know that you don't get them back, I don't know that I fully have come to terms with that. Mm. You know, like there is definitely um, a mental side, excuse me, a mental side of, of cancer. Right. Uh, there's a mental side of, you know, being sick and there's a mental side of even the recuperation process. Right. Um, you know, you talked about your identity um, with how you look like the physical, whether it's losing your hair, body parts, etc. You know, I was genetically altered and I don't look the same. And so, you know, you tie, a lot of times you tie yourself to your physical appearance 
you know, so when I say I was genetically altered, um, you know, I, I mean, I'll send you a picture, but you've seen it like my complexion pre-chemo to post-chemo, it's so vastly different, mm -hmm. right? So I was so much darker before. I was an olive brown complexion before. Mm -hmm. um, so like sometimes when I take pictures with friends and I'll see my complexion, I'm like, oh shit, that's me. I don't realize how much lighter I am until I see it. Mm -hmm. um, so it's really weird, you know, like I'm blessed to still be here, but it's something that I still wish I had my complexion because I'm like, I feel like it was taken from me. And, and in some respect, I feel like some of my identity was taken from me because I know visually the people in the world view people from appearance as well. So I'm not necessarily viewed as the same in certain instances. Um, you know, and that's part of, even that's part of the healing process and, and the coming to grips process, um, even all this time later, because at the end of the day, while I'm quote unquote cured, when I look at myself, I'm like, damn, but I thought you said I was cured, but I don't have my identity back. You know what I mean? Like, I don't have that visual presence back. And so that's a very interesting thing, an interesting dynamic as well. Right. Right. Wow. Wow. Uh, it's a really big, um, it's a big process. It's a big part of the journey. There's, uh, there's so much there, you know, um, I can, I can totally, totally relate. Um, there's a lot, there's a lot that I want to say, but I really want to keep the, keep the focus on you today. Um, Cause this is, this is all about you. And, and I want people to hear from you and, and through you, um, what would you, what would you say to somebody in terms of how important mental, um, physical, and um, atmosphere uh, plays a role into the healing process? Since we're on uh, the topic of healing, those three things. I would say from the physical, right, being in such good physical shape when I was diagnosed. Yeah. Um, you know, the doctor had said, like, had I not been in such physical shape that I may not have made it and I may not have even, you know, gotten to, you know, the part of, like, getting diagnosed. He was like, the fact that you've been in such good physical condition, right. that's, a good that's a good part of the reason why you were able to make it through this. Um, so I think physical shape is super important. Uh, for me, physical shape also ties to my mental health. So I know that for me specifically, those two things are very, very, very tied together. When I am not in good physical shape, mentally I get depressed. Yeah, same. <laughs> yeah, so that's just me. I know that's not everybody, but that's me. Like I look at myself like, you're disgusting. Like, you know, and that's not healthy to say to yourself. You know, but like, I'll say that to myself when I'm not in good shape. Um, you know, so. Endorphins that go off, right? From It's true. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like, if you think about, they've proven and done scientific research, you take a plant. If you speak nicely to that plant, mm -hmm. it flourishes. Your body is a plant. And if you speak horribly to yourself on a regular basis, it creates 
really bad chemicals in your in your brain and your body. Um, and so, you know, I've had to work on being better at that. I'm still not great, but, um, you know, it's just who I am, right? Like, I, I think if you've been a dancer, been an athlete, whatever, you know where you've been, and anything shy of that, mm-hmm. you're like, you know what I mean? So, um, so you know, those are, are very important, I think, mental and physical attributes to anybody that goes through a journey such as cancer. Um, and that journey can come in any form. I know today we're just talking about cancer or my journey with cancer and yours, but there are so many different ailments or obstacles that people do face. But for me, that mental and physical is super important. And when I was sick, I tried to exercise as long as I physically possibly could. Uh, and then it got to a point where the doctor's like, you have to stop. You know, like I played sports, I played hockey, I played tennis, I played basketball. And, you know, one time someone just bumped into me um, playing a sport and I, and my arm fractured. And when I'm telling you bumped into me, it was like, if I literally just, but you know, your bones got so brittle and weak from the chemo. Um, so, um, you know, it got to a point where as much as I wanted to, I I couldn't work out then. Um, you know, so the road back was also an interesting one. You know, so like we talked about purpose before, right? Your purpose was to live. And then once you got kind of over the hump of that hill where you could start recuperating, the purpose then became like, I want to be an athlete again. I want to go to college. I want to do all those things. Mm -hmm. So I think purpose has been in stages at different times of my life. That's a good point. Yeah, I think it changes, you know, like, um, you know, your purpose at 17 or 21 is not going to be the same as at 25, 30, 35, right? Like purposes change because I think you change. Um, so the purpose then definitely became like, damn, I want to do that again. And I want to be able to go to college and I want to do all those things. And so, you know, I was blessed to have um, kind of like a mentor who um, took me under his wing and trained me and got me healthy. And, and um, I really owe you know, being able to go to college and compete for him because I worked out with him. It was just like, oh my, I, I didn't even know what working out was until I started working out with him. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, th- I think that's really how mental and physical tie in for me. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Um, you know, I'm just like, I'm taking all of this in and I just like feel like, I feel like my cup started on like empty when we started this and it's just mm. fuller and fuller and fuller. <laughs> is working right now um I stopped myself before because I really try to be mindful of like not taking over with uh with the microphone you know because I like to make it about you but um or or whoever's on the show but I feel like I'm I'm almost suppressing myself right now and and I don't do that please share please share I just I have this on my heart because it's um Oh, it's, it's something that I've learned and I've had to relearn. And I I think it's important because I think all of us need to hear it, you know, with, with the identity thing. Um, and I love what you said about how, even when we speak to plants, they flourish. Like that was Mm -hmm. the word for me today. Um, and I think it's so easy for us to just like have, these thoughts that come to us and these words that come out of us when we're questioning, like when we don't look the way we used to look, um, you know, and two of my favorite 
scriptures that I have held on to like throughout my entire journey for the last five years. And I don't know who this is for, but like maybe someone could get something out of this today. Jeremiah 1.5 says that I knew you before I created you in your mother's womb. And I absolutely love that because like the first time I heard that, it just blew my mind because I was like, wow, you knew me before you created me in my mother's womb. And also Ephesians 2.10 says that we are a masterpiece, not because of anything we've done, but because we were created in God's image and God mm. ugly. And I just think that's so important for us to hang on to because there have been so many days where I've looked in the mirror or I've taken a selfie and I'm like, whoa, that doesn't look like it used to. <laughs> 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 like that doesn't hang like it used to, or like this used to be straight and now it's curly or, you know, like there's like a giant scar there. Um, and all that to say that, you know, I just think it's so important to, you know, some people do affirmations or whatever you want to call it. But when, when we meditate, not just on our breathing, but when we actually meditate on, on those words, which are the most powerful type of words that there are, um, we're able to speak over our life and speak into our life. No different than you're doing with me right now. Um, so I just wanted to say that um, for, for whoever is listening, um, that our identity is not only tied up in our body, but in our spirit. And, and we have the right to speak life into ourself as much as uh, over ourselves. So um, thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think we are like almost coming to the end here. Um, what are you, what are you doing now? Because I think everybody wants to know what you're up to these days and um, where we can find you. And yeah, what are you, what are you working on? in 2020 in these crazy streets <laughs> 2020 is a year boy golly i mean uh, i'm ready for corona to kick rocks that's for sure that's um man but um you know it's been a very interesting year to say the least right so i think it's so crazy because when people like when new year comes people are like yes 2020 is going to be the greatest and then 2020 actually got settled in and it was like, sit your ass down. Um, so, you know, I think, I think one of the most interesting things about 2020 is perspective. Yeah. And so, you know, it took, you know, I started isolating uh, really early uh, because my doctor, I went, when I heard about Corona, I was like, wow, this is kind of weird. You know, let me just go and make sure, like get a checkup and all that type of stuff and just make sure you know, everything is good. And, um, she was like, no, look, you're fine. Like, um, you know, everything I hear is what I've heard before and there's no changes and, and you know, you're, you're hanging in there and all that type of stuff. So, um, but she was like, this is going to be serious. So you need to stay home. Right. And so, you know, I was like, ah, whatever. Right. Like, okay. Like I still went out a little bit and then like she called and checked up on me and, um, she's like, so are you staying home? I was like, well, I just went out for a little bit. No, 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 no stay home oh wow right she was like this is going to be really bad and so that's when i started like officially like okay i'm not going out anymore and then my neighborhood was like the epicenter of the epicenter like a couple weeks later and so that's when i was like i didn't go out at all you know so 
the first month or so was really kind of um, difficult, right? Like it was just like I didn't do much of anything for that first month because it was like, okay, well, let's be over in two weeks, three weeks, four weeks. And now we know, shoot, it's going to be a year, year and a half. You know, unfortunately, you know, um, our administration dropped the ball, right? So like, you know, it's going to be a lot worse and longer than maybe it could have been. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, you know, that's going to be our circumstances for a long time. So a lot of adjusting. And so once I kind of realized like, okay, this is what it is. Um, and we need to adapt. Um, that's kind of like when I switched into, I guess, a different gear, if you will. So, um, you know, I, I had been working more in the fashion space, um, for like the last year and a half or two years, I was working in esports. Um, cause I kind of not left fashion, but was just ready for a change. And, um, you know, I, I love being creative. So, um, I had written up a food show a handful of years ago. And since we were home, I was like, okay, it's time to put that food show in motion. Mm-hmm. And so I still had all the social media and the websites reserved and all that type of stuff. And now it was time. So the food show was called Sunday dinner series. Love. Um, yeah, so, you know, and the principle or premise of the Sunday dinner series is, you know, no matter what culture you come from, typically Sunday dinner has a special place in your heart. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that I think is beautiful about food, it has an incredible capacity to bring people together. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think especially in these times where I feel like we as a people are really divided, mm-hmm. I think if we would sit down and break bread and have conversation, we'd realize we're not as different as we think, right? And so, um, you know, through food, I think a lot of healing can take place. And so, you know, that's one of the really big themes of Sunday Dinner Series is just um, being able to have the conversations that we're missing because that's one of the things right now, more than ever, we are missing. We're not having conversations at the table with our friends. We're not meeting new people at the table. And so, you know, food and dinners in general have the capacity to bring so many different people together for conversations. So mm-hmm. our goal is to have those conversations through Sunday dinner series. And then whenever um, the world mm-hmm. is opening back up, we're able to open back up to shoot full on live episodes with different people at the table and have the conversations that we've you know, been missing. Um, so that's one of the things I'm, I'm working on. And the goal is kind of to transition into more of a TV film content space I definitely have realized that um one I think it's kind of like my calling but something that I've just always loved to do and with everything that I've ever worked on that's been the aspect that I've really loved to work on right so now it's like okay well that's been telling you something for all the time so try to focus on that and um you know joy juice is something that I want to really push forward now and I think I've kind of figured out with the pandemic being what it's going to be for the foreseeable future, how to, you know, potentially move that forward on a digital space. Um, Because I think, you know, especially with young people with cancer, um, their immune systems are so low that we may not be able to have physical events that we once did, but I think we can have the digital event. So, you know, that's something now that I want to try and, pursue and move forward with um, just because um, I I feel really bad that we're not able to have the physical events because young people going through it specifically 
you know, teens and young adults, they're often like the forgotten group, mm. you know, like so much attention goes into pediatrics. Right. And that demographic. And then so much attention goes into like adult adults. Mm-hmm. But, you know, for anyone watching and for yourself and myself, you know, that's been a teen and early 20 and, you know, like that, that age, it's one of the most unique age demographics ever. Right. Because like yeah. you're not in a box, right? Like you're, if you're 12 or if you're 19, you're in a teenage category, but you're so different. Right. Right. You're 12, you're borderline, still a little kid, but you're becoming like a, a real teenager, right? Like an adult and, and kind of feeling himself. So like there's so much exploratory for that age demographic. And, and so I think that's why, I mean, I was 17 when I got sick, but that's why we focus on that age demographic because they're so unique and they get overlooked. All the funding goes to pediatric adult. doesn't necessarily go into teens and, and, um, there's a couple of organizations that does focus or do focus on that group, but we're the only ones that do what we do. We're the only organization that provide fashion makeovers to kids with cancer or teens with cancer. So, um, you know, I want to figure out how to implement the digital version of what we do. Um, and maybe we wind up reaching more people. I was gonna, um, I was going to say, you know, what, what looked like a, almost a curse is going to wind up to be, a blessing because you're going to be able to do it on a on a larger scale and i mean look you're already uh bi-coastal you know you've always been in new york and in la and this might even wind up going global um being online because you're you're absolutely yeah. right i mean i started my journey at 26 now i'm 31 and i've always been in this weird parentheses that you're talking about it's like i go mm. out a kid but I'm not in my 40s or, you know, my 80s. And I'm just always sitting in my chair, like, weirdo, <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> with my headphones on and my Tupac Thug Life hoodie. And it's like, <laughs> mm-hmm. come for me, Joy Juice, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right. And uh, Reckless Hope, that is, that's my nickname for you. Like, you just, Okay, I'll take it. You do it over and over and over again. You did it in the wine bar. You did it with your journey. You've done it with Joy Juice, with your book, with with the Sunday dinner cooking show. And I, I feel like the virtual platform is just going to be an entire ocean for you to reach people. Um, I feel like you are a, a voice for the voiceless. You're a hope for the hopeless. And I just see you like, um, I see you just like tearing down walls all over the place and, and building bridges to, to reach people who have just been kind of pushed aside and, and shoved under the carpet for, for way too long. And I'm just really blessed and, and grateful to know you after all these years. Um, and I'm, I'm very proud of you. Like, for whatever that's worth, like I'm, I'm really. No, it's worth a lot. Thank you. I really appreciate it. So. Um, yeah. So that's the that's the hope. You know, I feel like whatever we do, especially, you know, you or I or anyone that's in a circumstance or been through a circumstance like us, I think, um, you know, being able to give back is really great. Yeah. Is there so, else? Is yeah. there 
any last comment? Uh, is there anything I missed that you would want to just say, like, to any anyone watching this at home, to any young person? Is there any last word you would say to them um, if they feel hopeless? I mean, there, there's probably a couple of last words. Okay. Um, you know, I, I think one of the things that was really helpful for me when I was sick was the fact that I learned that, you know, no matter how bad I had it, other people had it worse because I met so many other people that I was like, wow, you know, like I was sick, but then I had a friend who was on her second bone marrow transplant, mm. you know, and like, and then, you know, we lost touch. Like we used to speak every Monday, you know, and then all of a sudden I didn't hear from her for a long time. And I didn't have the courage to call and ask, like, because I knew if I didn't hear from her, it wasn't good. But um, so, you know, if you're going through something difficult, I know it's difficult, but, you know, if you're able to have the perspective to realize that somebody else does have it worse, it, it's able to give you a, a different sense of how bad or, or not as bad whatever you may be going through, and that might help. Um, or if you are going through something, um, that you're not able to find that perspective because I do I do understand when you're going through something that is the most impactful thing that's happening to you at the moment and sometimes you're not able to have peripheral vision to see other things um, and that's totally understandable right like whatever's happening to you is the most important and impactful thing that's happening to you and sometimes you don't care what other people go through right so and that's understandable and respectable um, but if you are going through something that you're not able to have that different perspective on, um, you know, where can you find the light, you know, in anything for me, it was, you know, putting on a new pair of sneakers or putting on a new pair of socks, you know, like that was a light for me because I couldn't talk about it. Right. So for some people it's being able to talk for me, it was keeping it in. But then I got dressed up, you know what I mean? And so, um, you know, so for anyone that is going through something, um, work to find that light, you know, work to, to speak to yourself kindly. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I recently read a book, um, part of my French, but it was called Un Yourself. That's the name of the book. Um, Danny, <laughs> I was about to say that's the first curse word ever dropped on my page, but it is. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, because there's a moment for levity, and honestly, I was about to cry, so it's all good. <laughs> okay, but you know, like, you know, there there are different things that we all have habits that maybe aren't healthy, and so that book is really interesting and just thinking about those habits that aren't positive. Like I recommend the book. It really was helpful. I gave it to my dad. There are certain things that we all do. Some are hereditary. Some might even be genetic. I don't know, right? I'm not a doctor, but you know, that, that aren't positive. And so trying to search for a positive when you're in a negative circumstance, because it's so weird where you might find that light. You might find it in a bowl of ice cream. You know what I mean? Like I ate ice cream every night when I was sick. Yeah. Um, to this day, I love ice cream, probably more than I should. Right? Me too, but they keep yelling at me saying, sugar is no good. <laughs> That's right. I mean, the amount of sugar, you know. Sugar. Um, I mean, 
if anyone's listening to this. What'd you say? I said find a sugar free ice cream if you, if you Yeah, but it'd be taste free, but um <laughs> and fruit. We could have honey and fruit. <laughs> and fruit, yep. So I mean I mean in college I probably ate a half a gallon of ice cream a day. So um but so yeah, I mean if you're able to and you're going through something um that's not great or you know, that might be putting it mildly if you're able to find light in anything, it doesn't matter what that light is, you know, or where it comes from. Um, but there is a light, you know, and so, um, that's what I encourage everybody to try and find, you know, like with chemo joy juice was my nickname. That was my way of making it a game, right? How can you turn a circumstance into something maybe jovial? That's not jovial, right? It was serious. But for me, I tried to make it jovial. Um, and again, for everyone, that's something that's different. Um, but if you're able to find that light, I think it's super helpful. If you are able to talk about it, incredibly helpful. If you have that one person, two people, whatever that may be. Um, I wasn't able to talk about it when I was of that age. I am able to talk about it now because I've talked about it and I find it helps other people. Um, so you know, you learn things, right? We talked about the stages, right? We talked about the, the, your purpose, right? So like my purpose now is so much different than then. My purpose now, especially with joy juice is to help other people. My purpose then was to live. So, you know, it, it, it's so many different stages. I wish I could say I had the exact answer for anybody. Um, all I can say is the answer is different for everybody. Um, but I think that answer is to try and find your light and, and I, and I hate to, you know, be so general, but I think that's the truth. Um, so I, I know that was a long winded answer, so I apologize, but, um, yeah. No, that was perfect. Um, where can we find you? You have a website. Um, so I, I'm working on the website. I've been, I've been a little slow moving on that, but in general mm -hmm. with social media, I would say the three main places would be, my personal, which is a lot of ways, right? A-L-O-T-T-A-W-A-Y-S, right? Okay. When I first made that, a couple of people joked because they thought I was being fresh. I was like, no, that's just my last name. I promise you, you know, but, but, um, and then there's Joy Juice, right? So Joy Juice Org. Okay. And so, you know, that's a place that has brought me the most light ever, you know, like, I, I can't even put emphasis on, on, on what joy juice has done for me. Um, I, I would say the events and the helping of the other young people, um, in my eyes has done more for me to heal than it has for them, even though they say it's like the greatest day and nights of their life. Um, it continues to help me heal because even when you go through something, there's healing years later. Um, and those events help me heal to this day and they always do. Um, so that's another place to, to find me or joy juice. It's joy juice org mm -hmm. or at Sunday dinner series. If you love food, we feature people. Um, you don't have to be a chef to be featured. Um, but we feature a different person each week. Um, some folks have been, you know, professional chefs. Some folks have been folks who just love to cook. Um, I have a friend coming on who cannot boil water, <laughs> right? 
but her dad is an award-winning chef and I don't know how that happened, right? Like, how do you have, she's like, but my daddy cooks. I'm like, yes, but you have to learn his secrets, you know, like he's an award-winning chef. Um, so, so yeah, if you love food at Sunday dinner series, um, if you love being able to give back and good spirit at joy juice org, um, and if you just want to have a conversation with me at a lot of ways or all of them, you tell me. So. <laughs> I love it. So the last thing I'm going to do, um, it's kind of customary for me to read a poem at the end. Okay. So I was searching last night for you. Um, so I chose this one. It is called Garden of We. Um, and it goes like this. It says, if children are the future, then let us plant the seeds so we can grow a garden full of flowers and trees where the heart is always open and the mind is always free. You're my brother, you're my sister, never I, always we. From the show must go on. And um, I think just like the closing thing that I would say, um, I'm going to drop the last one is from Galatians 6, 9. It says, let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. And um, I just, you're, you're the definition of that. You know, you're the definition of that. And I think it is easier than ever right now to, to want to give up. And like you said, you would never in a million years, uh, wish what came upon you but it it built a soldier out of you and i believe it did out of me as well and just such a blessing to be able to even have this conversation with you four years later um and i i hope that this will bless our viewers today and our listeners um so thank you for your time i love you my brother and um thank you thank you love too uh, hopefully collaborating soon in the future. I hope so. Like I said, I hope Corona kicks rocks way sooner than later so we could all see each other. But until yeah. um, then, we'll be virtual. Yeah. Um, and, you know, with your journey, I want to wish you naturally all the best um, and nothing but health and light. And so just sending lots of love and prayer your way. Um, and I hope we get to see each other sooner than later. Yes, and thank you guys for watching and listening. Again, my name is Olivia Hutcherson. This is the Live Strong Podcast. You can follow me at Olivia Dance One or on www.livestrong.com. That is L I V, and we are signing out. Peace. Have a great day.